Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 380. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we stress out about which costume a four-year-old girl is going to choose from out of three sets of costumes. I am your host, Nagina Farsad, and I don't know about you, but my daughter is stressing me out. Uh, I thought Halloween was supposed to be the fun holiday. Um, so today, we're not going to talk about um, my kid and how... She's stressing me out, but we will talk about another category of child known as the Nepo baby (laughs) and how some of them don't like the term Nepo baby. Very surprising. We'll also talk about the the most recent techno manifesto from a tech billionaire. And finally, an NEA study on museum and theater attendance and what it means about life. Um, I'm so excited about today's panel. Oh my God. So this first panelist, you've you've heard him on the show um, oh so many times because he's incredible and brilliant. He's a TV writer. He is no longer striking. So he gets to wear that TV writer moniker uh, with pride and with no um, pang. Uh, He is also co-host of one of my favorite pods, folks. He's co-host of the podcast, Yo Is This Racist, which is a must subscribe. And what I particularly love is the Venn diagram of Fake the Nation and Yo Is This Racist subscriber. It is like a a set of extraordinarily excellent um, people. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, it is the one and only Andrew T. I was going to say, I feel like your listeners tend to be just a little bit smarter than ours, but what do I know, you know? <laughs> Why would you throw your listeners under the bus like that? <laughs> they they know what they did. Partially it's because they call in all the time and we have to be like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, lo- I love them and I'm grateful for you. I, I also love them. I'm just, let's, let's be real here. He's just being a comedian, you guys. We're also joined for the first time. This is so exciting. We have a first timer on the show, but she's not uh, an alien to podcasts. No, no, no. In fact, she hosts two podcasts. One is called Past Perfect and another one is called Not Past It. Um, And she's just extraordinary. And you should also be subscribing to those podcasts. She's the one and only Simone Palanen. Hey, Simone. Hello. So happy to be here. 
Uh, and before we get into the show, I just want to remind listeners that uh, if you go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad, you can support the show for as little as $4 um, a month, which is how much I spent to buy one of those little containers of blackberries the other day from the store. Uh, these ones said they were organic, but I always, I look upon them with suspicion. But theoretically, for as little as a little container of blackberries, um, you can support Fake the Nation, and you can also get bonus episodes of the show. And these bonus episodes is where where we really let our hair down. Um, and we get into some ethical quandaries. We get into some stories of assholery. Uh, it's a really good time. So go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And now let's get into it with topic number one. So the Washington Post recently had a piece about how certain Nepo babies like Gwyneth Paltrow worry that the term will negatively impact their children. For those of you who don't know, Nepo baby basically means nepotism baby and refers to the child of an actor, musician, producer, or other industry insider who has likely benefited from having a parent in the field. And this is what Gwyneth had to say. She said, quote, nobody rips on a kid who's like, I want to be a doctor like my dad and granddad. The truth is, if you grow up in a house with a lot of artists and people making art and music, that's what you know. The same way that if you grow up in a house with law, the discussions around the table are about the nuances of whatever particular law the parents practice. So my question um, for the two of you, is she right? Is it unfair to use this term on the children of the elite? <laughs> yeah, we really, we should be giving uh, a, a lot more grace to the Nepo babies. They're the true victims here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. A- Andrew? I think uh, the one thing that's clear from her statement is she doesn't know enough uh, actual working people because I absolutely would rip the child of doctors for being a doctor. Uh, <laughs> get get right. the hell out of here. Um, but also, it is like uh, in in this whole article, like so many instances of the Nepo babies talking about how, like, oh, I maybe got my foot in the door. Oh, I maybe got my foot in the door, but everything else was me. I don't think these people realize how hard it is to get your foot in the door in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like the main thing, right? It's like we're talking yeah. about access, like access in an industry like the entertainment industry is huge, and right. like. I don't think people are criticizing like the work ethic of these people necessarily. It's just like it's a privilege. You have access. And, um, you know, I guess people with privilege typically don't like to be uh, called out on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like Haley um, Bieber, who's the daughter of Stephen Baldwin and the niece of Alec Baldwin and and um, Lily. Or, sorry. No, not her. I'm trying to figure out who said this. Someone, maybe it was Lily Rose Depp, um, who's this, the daughter of, of Johnny Depp and, the, and uh, also of a, some kind of French model, um, <laughs> said something about like, it's just, well, I do get my foot in the door, but that doesn't mean I don't have to work hard. Like I have to work hard after that, which I do, which is a little bit like, I should, I should really hope so. You know what I yeah. mean? Like mm-hmm. if you get, but I also wonder, I think it kind of depends on how powerful the parent is, right? Like you could probably get your foot in the door, do a mediocre or just an average job, and then continue to get another job. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's the other side of it. It's like even if you take this doctor thing, right, like to get your first job as a doctor, you have to do all the hard work first. You have to go to medical school. You have to pass boards. You have to be a resident. Whereas when these folks say foot in the door – they mean the job they got was actor, which is... <laughs> so are you saying that doesn't require a five-year residency and uh, four well, additional years of medical school? But that's the thing. For most people, it absolutely does. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it does require that because you have to come to Hollywood, audition for four or five years, be good. Eat dirt, but, eat dirt eat for dirt, years, yeah. yeah. And also, like, be, um, give, you know you know, meet the right people, know the right stuff, you know, do the make the right contacts. So yeah, that's the thing. It's that like, yeah, again, they just don't understand. And how could they? In what world could they know what it takes to get to even where they started? But they don't know. Right. Um, and, you know, the other the other interesting thing is, <laughs> I think Gwyneth said this in the article. She said, I just hope that my children always feel free to pursue exactly what they want to do, irrespective of what anybody's going to think or say. And I think that's another example of like not 
having very many ordinary parents because I do not want my child to pursue whatever she wants. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I specifically want her to pursue something that is sustainable and stable. You know what I mean? Like I can't, like the idea that my daughter should go into this career, like nightmare. And so um, I feel like that's that's a privilege to be able yeah. to say that. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. is um, yeah. some kind of privilege. Although I will say, say one thing that I find, you know, infuriating is when, and I think being a director is maybe a little bit different, but like I remember seeing the movie The Moon. I may have even mentioned it on the show before, but I, the, that movie Moon is made by a filmmaker named da- Duncan Zoe Haywood Jones, who is the son of David Bowie. And I didn't know. I remember raving about this movie and someone's like, oh, yeah, that's David Bowie's son. And I was like, what? No, take it back. Because I wanted so desperately from for this guy to have like a rags to riches story of like, you know, making movies on a VHS tape with nothing. You know what I mean? And then getting the opportunity to make this incredible film um, and, and getting awards for it. But that's not the story. Right. I will yeah. say it's. I think it's a little harder to get a um, to be able to direct a film. A lot of people have to put a lot of money. Yeah, that's into the thing. You. He might have been making movies on VHS, but it was with a full crew when he was eleven years old. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> Right. David Bowie was able to uh, hire yeah. a casual like, production assistant. Just like a small amount of financing from my father. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, when I was 12. Yes. Yeah. Um, totally, totally. Um, but uh, do you guys, have you guys had that experience where someone has made something that you're just in love with and they are just the so... <laughs> they, they've you know come from a basket of elitism or whatever as opposed to a, the basket of deplorables I don't know why I said that well I had this experience recently but it was actually a very pleasant one this is like so this was like Nepo movie to the max but I think it works really well have you guys seen you're so not invited to my bot mitzvah a Sandler oh family production yes, yes! I did yeah. see that Wait, so who who's the Nepo baby in that? Oh, well, I mean, both of his daughters and his wife are in the movie. Um, Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I think they all give great performances, particularly like the the star of the movie, his daughter, Sunny. Yeah, Yeah. she oh, she crushes. She's so good. But going into the movie, I was like, okay, come on. Like, um, is this going to be any good? Like, this is like. You know, big Hollywood guy brings his family. They're going to make a movie. They put it on Netflix. Um, I was so in love with this movie. And it made me realize, like, the thing about Nepo Baby discourse that's annoying isn't necessarily the fact that Nepo Babies exists. It's like when people get defensive because it's like there are people uh, doing good work out here. Yes, with with, uh, extra boost and whatnot. But um Hey, if you fall flat on your face, even with all of the help, like maybe that's something to look into. I I think that's really that's really important. I think the the kind of graceful way to handle this is like, don't worry about your kids or whatever. They're going to be just fine. Just have a conversation about like, hey, people will come to you and say you only got this job because of Mm -hmm. your parents. And you should just be like, yeah, I'm so lucky. I did get some help from my parents. Yeah, and yeah. Like, I hope, and I hope I can rise to the occasion or something like yeah, that. Totally. Just say, do like a nice, graceful, owning it type statement, and then move on, right? And then, yeah. and then it defangs the term entirely. If your biggest obstacle in your career is the judgment of other people, <laughs> you are in a fantastic position. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, but also, if, if if the biggest obstacle in your career is the judgment of other people, welcome. Like that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Totally. The only the only response to you're a nepo baby. You only got what you got because your parents is yeah, dog. Definitely. What do you drink it? I got I got this next one. Like, yes! That's it. I, that's, like, I love that. I love that. Easy. Absolutely. Uh, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's even oh, yeah, it out. Of course. Let's even what it out want? with rounds of cocktails. <laughs> um, all right, folks, let me know. Uh, I do, do you have the perfect answer to you only got this job because you're a Nepo baby? Me and Andrew floated some. I'm so I'm dying to hear it for to hear the perfect answers. Um, let's take a quick break and learn about our sponsor. And then when we're back, we'll continue chatting. 
Your time starts now. Theranos is a combination of which two words? Therapy and Thanos. From ZSP Media, it's Past Perfect, the time-traveling trivia show. I'm Simone Polanin. What does YOLO stand for? You only live once. Who was the first female secretary of state? Janarina. New episodes drop on Fridays. Find Past Perfect wherever you listen. I'm fighting for my life! Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we are back, and we're going to get into it with topic number 1.5. Okay, I didn't actually tell you guys about this topic because I was waiting to see if anything would actually happen. So we're just going to riff because Congress is still leaderless and rudderless and possibly soulless. Tom Emmer, who was the House GOP's number three dude, narrowly won the nomination, but then Trump made a statement against him, and then two dozen Freedom Caucus people went after him, so he dropped his bid, which I totally don't... um, I, I can see how that happens because when when Trump makes a statement against you and all that stuff, it's like your life becomes a nightmare because his fans are just hardcore and they are relentless and they will never let you go and it sucks. So he dropped his bid. Then ultra-conservative Mike Johnson from Louisiana threw his hat in the race. And as of the time of this taping, I don't know what has happened. But he is an ultra-conservative. Just a couple of fun facts about him. He was on Trump's impeachment defense team. He played a leading role in recruiting House Republicans to sign a legal brief supporting a lawsuit to overturn the 2020 election results. He's just got some fun credits, okay? Um, I My question, Andrew, is uh, where? how do you feel about the GOP and the House of Representatives in disarray? <laughs> I, I guess to me it's like, yeah, this is what happens when you let the people who don't think government should function, func- like run the government or run their yeah. section of the government. It's like, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I guess I am less of the like, you know, sort of like lay down with dogs, get fleas, ha 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 at the like the sort of triangulating Republicans who like sided with the uh, 
sided with the mega side of things. Yeah. So I don't know. This is this is like precisely what you get, I suppose. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you what do you think? Simone. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just very disheartening. I don't know. I like um, I think probably like a lot of people, I'm having a lot of like political fatigue. And there is this sense yeah. of like, um, what the fuck, man? Like what? Um, who like where? Where do you I don't know. Where do you put your faith? Like, <laughs> basically, I'm like, you know, turning back to like community driven leadership. And like, I'm sort of like lost my faith in Washington. And I'm like, what can we do? What can On I do with the people level. directly around me yeah. to take care of things? Because um, we are not being looked out for. I absolutely love that. Um, and it's something that we've like talked about on the show before. When DC's got you down, what's what's happening with your local park? What's happening with your local school council? What's happening with your local... Uh, I can't think of a third thing because I'm losing my mind. But what <laughs> happened with your local third thing? Um, you know, like I, I think you're absolutely right. There's community driven stuff, and and the this is gonna sort itself out. It may be we might get an unpleasant person to do the job, but like, um, you it's, know, it was we just never have to... not gonna be an unpleasant person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Given who's in charge. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's 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 it's. I mean, it's it. The chances are that it is an unpleasant person, and like you know, we'll weather that storm, and it'll you know, and we just have to move on to the next thing. Like I think part of it is the the enjoyment that the Freedom Caucus gets out of the noise that they create. Mm. So I I would say let's not even give them the pleasure of making that noise. You know what I mean? Like. Giving them too much attention makes them just crazy <laughs> out even more. That's yeah, what they love. Yeah, they're influencers. They're sort of like Nazi influencers. <laughs> That's so depressing. Allegedly. Oh, my God. It's true. It's true. It's true. They're just influencers. Um, on another weird note, uh, Jenna Ellis, who's a former lawyer for Trump's campaign, uh, basically pleaded guilty to she admitted to making false statements while conspiring to overturn the 2020 election uh, results in Georgia. Um, and here's the fun thing. She has agreed to att to testify against other defendants, including Donald Trump. Uh, anyways, just an interesting little from the Trump world. That dude has so many legal problems. It is hilarious. Again, we don't need to like follow them all, you know, uh, beat by beat or anything. Do literally anything else with your time. Um, and I'll just keep like you know, a vague handle on what's going on. And if people fake the nation need to know, I'll let you guys know. But my main, <laughs> my main like uh, recommendation for everybody is don't care too much. I just thought it was uh, interesting <laughs> to you. It's going to be wild when he's in the Oval Office with like an ankle monitor on, but. Oh just for that imagery i don't know i'm i'm kind of a you're you're bummed but that's honestly the most likely outcome that's the one where everyone kind of wins unfortunately damn that's the image that that gets burned into the like cultural yeah. consciousness if yeah that happens. that's a generational meme right there that's a, a a world historic meme um all right folks uh again who cares about these things? Do literally anything else in your own community. And now uh, let us move on to actual topic number two, which is the tech billionaire Mark Andreessen, known for being the co-founder of Netscape and Mosaic and for having a lot of money and saying a bunch of things from his mouth hole. Um, this time has come out with a techno-optimist manifesto. He says throughout this screed that uh, the gist that basically quote we believe that there is no material problem whether created by nature or by technology that cannot be solved with more technology uh, and and it was um it was like a really weird read uh, it, it's first of all he's he it's all this we we something and I don't know there's no cosigners to this blog post um, and he's such a like big voice in the tech community like all of Silicon Valley like perked up like what is Mark Andreessen saying I uh, which is why it you know it it I, I heard about it but 
Um, he wrote, like, we had a problem of starvation, so we invented the Green Revolution. We had a problem of darkness, so we invented electric light lighting. We had a problem of cold, so we invented indoor heating. Um, he just really believes that no matter the issue, technology will uh, get ahead of it and that um, we shouldn't get in the way of technology doing that. Uh, what did you think of this manifesto, Andrew? I mean, it's like... The sort of classic uh, tech bro, like, Ayn Rand bullshit kind of thought, I guess. Um, The thing to me that was, like, really, uh, really stood out was, like, the the conflation of technology, quote-unquote, with Silicon Valley um, was the thing. It's, like, it's not just, it's not what he's saying broadly about technology, technology as in the sciences, like, sure, sort of, okay, whatever, um, but what he's really saying is we, us like Silicon Valley, like, like Bros. bozos are the, the keepers of what is technology. Cause like the other thing I was like, it, like looking at his, um, his, uh, I don't know, do venture capitalist people have resumes, portfolios? I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you actually call it, but like, I don't you know, know. It, he, he like was like part of Uber, I believe. Um, which is demonstrably a thing that did not improve anything. You know, it, what it did was that it took venture capital money to like destroy an existing industry by undercutting it because it was not regulated. So like, as far as like innovation in finding labor loopholes, yes, Silicon Valley is well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he's like, also, I should mention on the board of Meta, which right. Facebook and Instagram, which also we could talk about the the, the health impacts of Meta. Yeah, it's, it's just this thing where it's like, yes, maybe technology, broadly speaking, but that's like the public university system. That's like scientific research. It is not Silicon Valley. And like him yes! like conflating technology and Silicon Valley is the thing that is like kind of odious. Here. This is actually my favorite point, which I haven't even, uh, I only read a couple of critiques or whatever, but like, this is my favorite point, Andrew. You have made my favorite point. Ding, 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 ding. You get a, yes! an award of literally nothing but for making my favorite point. But that's absolutely true because I was just like, he's so like, the, the his mindset is about tech platforms which to me i'm like is a tech platform gonna suck the co2 out of the air tell me how a tech platform is gonna do that and so what i want to know is is about real technology and that is electricity that is happening at universities that is where you know um that is happening with like i don't know a guy and his kite in a rainstorm Mm -hmm. or whatever like that's the uh, that's how technology that can solve those kinds of problems is sort of developed in Silicon Valley is another thing and it is technology, but it's like a very particular type of technology who's motivated 5,000% by money, right? And I don't, and I don't know that innovators at, at, at the other, at, at, in these other, like in a research lab, are not motivated by money in that way. They are just yeah. not. Well, and also just not. I know I've talked too much, but like they're also like this. This thing is also like sort of insidiously uh, advocating for sucking resources from things that we already know work. The idea that more technology is a solution to, say, climate change, sorry, alleged climate change, is (laughs) um, like the idea that the solution to climate change doesn't exist yet and we need to VC our way out of it is actually taking money from the things that we know will take carbon out of the atmosphere, you know more regulation on cars, building cities differently, more economic equality so that like large percentages of the of humanity aren't burning coal for instance for heat. Like these are things that already exist. So the solution to this is not more technology, it's the existing technology that we have already done. And and advocating that more technology is how we get out of this is actually how we take resources out of the things that we know work. Simone, what Man. do you think? I have so many thoughts on this because I actually grew up in the Silicon Valley and like oh, saw shit. the Bay Area uh, really change a lot because of this yes. like influx of, of the tech, tech industry. Um, so I don't have very nice thoughts about these people. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but my, I mean, one of my big takeaways from this was just that like, Mark Andreessen is a wealthy person and wealthy people who are unaccustomed to discomfort try to use their resources to eradicate like the anxiety that they feel around being like fragile and mortal. And then they disguise it with these like declarative statements and like, <laughs> you know, this like authoritative voice when ultimately what he's saying is like, I need places to put my capital so that it will grow and I will become richer. Yeah. But it's like under this language of like, I'm, I'm trying to change the future. You know what I mean? I think Uber is like a perfect example of like, you know, the the ethos of Silicon Valley, which is like basically brand building and marketing uh, uh, disguised as uh, innovation. Um, and it's basically, yeah, these like uh, places for people to put their money and to grow their money kind of like with little thought of anything else. And like he talks yeah. obsessively about growth. And I'm like, you know, who else is obsessed with growth? Cancer cells, like, yeah. you know, um, that's kind of my feeling about this. Yeah, the Silicon Valley tech ethos. Yeah. And I didn't realize, I, I, I don't know if you had heard about D-cell narratives, if that was a term that has crossed the transom for you guys. So this is my first time, apparently one of his um, Uber pals uh, responded to this piece sort of like, oh, I totally agree with you and I'm tired of these D-cell narratives, these quote D-cell narratives. And I was like, what is a D-cell narrative? And it's basically these uh, decelerationist um, narratives uh, that basically is like a slang term used um, by these guys for <laughs> for people who are don't believe in, you know, innovation and growth mm -hmm. and whatever oh um God, and again man. it's like <laughs> i do believe well i don't know but like growth is like a tricky term because in economics it has a meaning and technology has a meaning whatever and and um in you know in terms of like climate science it may it might be antithetical to the environment so let's put growth aside for a second but just in terms of like innovation again like as Andrew was saying, I'm I'm pro. I just don't want it to be this stuff, and I don't want it to be necessarily profit driven, mm -hmm. um, because we don't always find the best shit when it's profit driven, you know. Uh, and sometimes we do. Look, I'm not saying that you know vaccine companies didn't weren't paid to develop vaccines, you know. They pharmaceutical companies they were, but there's plenty of stuff that happened. Um, you know, you hear stories about people like kind of inventing the X-ray and then dying because they use themselves on these X-ray machines in a way that was unsafe, you know, and they ended up with like cancer and stuff. That's the kind of innovation I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see people yeah. putting themselves in harm's way for the science. No, but you know what I mean? Like that's not... That's just not about profit. It's like about something bigger, and um, and 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 we still have that. We still have that. And I think the really sad thing about Silicon Valley, besides the fact that it has changed San Francisco in ways that have have made it like unrecognizable, um, the the other thing about Silicon Valley is that it has sucked a lot of talent out yeah. of research fields, and it makes me so depressed. You know, you think about like you know, the, the talent brain drain from places like Iran, you know, my dad was a part of that brain drain, you know, for better or worse, where he came to America and he got really, really well trained in um, cardiovascular and thoracic surgery. And he went on and and had and and has had an incredible career doing that. It's like that kind of guy gets brain drained now and then goes to Silicon Valley and then they're what? Doing what? You know what I mean? And they're it's signing like... off on a hot new app that'll fix your own <laughs> cardiothoracic situation, but all you have to do is it's yeah, it's right. <sighs> it's it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. Um okay, well folks, check out 
or don't check out this <laughs> this manifesto by Mark Andreessen. But it was, I mean, it's fascinating. It's also just like interesting for me to get to have a glimpse into the the chatter in in the tech circles because I don't often know, do it. Uh, and it was um, it was interesting to see what what was going on over there. So this is this is one of the things that's going on over there. It's so not surprising that the people who think D cell is cool were positive that AI could replace writers. It's like okay, bros. <laughs> <laughs> they do love to coin I terms. <laughs> artless, artless and pathetic. <laughs> totally. Again, coming off a strike where we're trying very hard <laughs> to like prove that this is like not what we want as a humanity. All right. Yeah. Um, folks, let us move on to topic number three. So, um, there is a new study from the NEA, the National Endowment of the Arts, about the decline in attendance at museums and theater. And I'm just going to give you a couple of stats, and then I just want you to react to some of those stats. Okay, so um, here's something interesting. Art-making activities have shown growth from 2017, um, which was the last time they did one of these studies. So art-making like leatherwork, metalwork, woodwork and playing musical instruments has actually increased. Were you surprised to see that? Or what'd you think, Andrew? Or you're nodding your head. I am uh listen, the the problem with this discussion a little bit is there are only two sides really to this. So broadly speaking, I of course am generally supportive of the notion of what the NEA does. However, mm. <laughs> like uh-huh. looking at the way that they define art, essentially, is is this, uh, I, I think that's the thing that I take issue with. And it's just this like super old guard, like no one's going to the theater or no one is going to art museums. And yet all these like other activities that are the arts, just not what the NEA people Lo- like think, would prefer yeah. to think mm-hmm. of as quote the arts are popular like humanity is not different so why is it that attendance is down at these specific things well okay simone what did you what what did, did you have an issue with the way the nea is looking at arts writ large uh that, that was a very thoughtful response, Andrew. I'm like, I didn't think about that particular uh, variable. <laughs> I didn't think about that either. Uh, but I mean, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, like museums, right? Stuffy institutions. It yeah. makes sense, I think. Like, I haven't seen a uh, real big effort. Uh, I mean, let's talk about museums kind of broadly. But like to be more accessible or to like sort of, um, you know, update their approach with the times and try to like reach new audiences. Um in terms of people art making, though, like that kind of makes sense to me just because like in the pandemic, I know a lot of people who were kind of returning to these like craftier parts of themselves. And yeah, so I don't know. I could see like people holding on to that. Yeah. Potentially, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think that tr- that that makes sense to me. Right. Like, you know, you you were like, I've always wanted to make a leather purse mm-hmm. or whatever. And like. You you get to doing that woodwork. Actually, have it. You know, friend a friend who who kind of very seriously took up woodwork. Um, yeah, and and amped his activity during the pandemic. Um, yeah, I watched a lot of TikToks of uh, people making art. So in a way, I too participated. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that might be. I mean, I don't know if you're including like the consumption of art in that way, Andrew, when you're talking about what the NEA is is determining I, is the I consumption yes. of art. I mean, to me, the thing that jumped out at me from the uh, article that that was uh, that you guys sent was like that like other is up. Like, <laughs> which means the, the people are absolutely interested in like consuming and relating to and attending creative things. It's just like, like we are in the era where the afterthoughts of the old guard are the art. Or they like, are the actual, fine. yeah. Yeah. The, the attendance rates that they're talking about, um, so art museum gallery visits, um, attendance at jazz, classical, or Latin salsa music performances 
musical and non-musical plays, um, craft fairs, outdoor performing arts festivals, operas, and ballet, um, and other dance dance forms, and movies. Okay, so that's a very large swath of things <laughs> that people could do, for the record. TikTok is not on that list, <laughs> but there's a lot of things on that list. So attendance at all of those things have seen like a 6% percentage point decline. Um, for visual arts attendance, um, that actually did not see as severe a decline, just like a couple of points. And um, and then interestingly, parks have saw kind of a, a flattened attendance. So people still go to parks. Um, I guess that also tracks with the pandemic thing of like going back into nature. Um, I think like with a study like this, is the NEA trying to just say, you guys, we're on our phones too much. Please stop or whatever. I mean, is yeah. that like what we're supposed to take from this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably, your- right? It's just like anything that sounds like the reasoning is ultimately get off your phone is like both correct and old. <laughs> Those <laughs> no. two things are true. <laughs> it's correct and old and also... No, no one does. I don't know. People, sometimes people do it. And then sometimes, I don't know. It's it, it's like, I would really, truly rather myself do all of these things, these various forms. I would l- rather go to a craft fair or, you know, a musical or non-musical play <laughs> than be <laughs> on my phone. I think there's just also something about the rigors of modern life that make it more difficult than I think maybe mm-hmm. it was like 20 years ago. I don't know. I'm, I could be talking yeah. out of my butt here, but I do feel there's something difficult going on. I, I think it's an access thing too. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah, your phone is very accessible and like the theater is less accessible than a device right in your pocket, right? So I do think yeah. like that is part of it. But that can't be your whole answer, right? Like your whole critique can't just be like, well, audiences are so like tech addicted. And that's the full reason why this is like people aren't coming. Like there there are other variables too, you know, I think that. Funding. Yeah, Yeah. funding. Like the, you know, maybe the quality of the shows are down or something because of funding or Mm -hmm. whatever. Funding that goes into outreach and publicity. I mean, I don't know. That could be another reason. But Mm -hmm. there's, it's also like what you define, I still just think it's like what you define as art. Like if going to the park qualifies as art, like I'm sorry, all of TikTok also qualifies as art. You might not like (laughs) it or think it's good, but like you are getting a creative point of view pushed to you in this instance. And like, yeah, like I guess that's the thing. It's like, is the NEA the National Endowment for the Arts or the National Endowment for the arts that we like and we think are arts? Like and again, if you include parks, your <laughs> your swath is so wide that like how the hell are you gonna not have you know, I don't like TikTok either, but you can't not say it's as much art as a fucking park. Well, I'll say, I mean, look, and I, and I, in defense of this survey, <laughs> they, first of all, didn't say the thing about phones. This is sure. me extrapolating. So sure, they're sure, not sure. trying to be like, guys, get off your phone. They didn't actually say that. <laughs> um, one, and then one of the things they talk about, again, I, I was actually, I thought it was interesting the range of artistic activities that they, they chose. It's like, it, it was literally kind of everything except the stuff on your phone is like what is in this in this study and they found and i wonder if you think this is surprising social dancing is the most popular activity across all forms of personal arts performance and creation involving 22 percent of adults so 22 percent of of adults do social dancing and i was not entirely clear what that means is that like going to the club (laughs) or what do we is that i think so Okay, but line dancing has been having a little bit of of a resurgence. I don't know if this is in your circles, but like, yeah, that is surprising though. I didn't know that it was that. It is surprising, right? I mean, it's basically yeah, basically almost one out of every four adults like do a bunch of dancing, and that's their main way of expressing themselves in an artistic way. 
I, 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 I would like to lament the exclusion of talking about exclusion, Andrew. I would like to just um, say that it, karaoke should have been on this list, and <laughs> I'm really, I'm like personally offended. It is, it is one of my forms yeah. of uh, expression and art making. Um, I can't help but notice being a guest on a podcast is not here, <laughs> which is like to me. Okay, yeah, many don't give a shit about. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. But so, uh, yeah, the NEA has ex- very specifically. I feel like this was like, by the way, Nagin, what you do every week, not an art. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> um, I felt it, NEA. I felt it. Message received. Okay. <laughs> um, no. Okay. So, th- so, so th- this makes a lot of sense, folks. I'm curious to know: Are you a part of the 22% of adults who go social dancing? Is what it's called, um, which may be line dancing, or and or going to the club, and or dancing in front of your mirror when nobody's watching. Uh, parasocial Andrew. dancing. <laughs> parasocial, yeah. <laughs> um, so folks, hit me up. Let me know where are you. And also, I just I do want to say, finally, actually, that I do th- would I do hope there is some incredible stuff going on out there. Some really great things to see, and it is different to experience it live. And I hope that you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is. It's different. It's different. It's mesmerizing and all-consuming and in just a different way. Um, by the way, I went to, to – I think I mentioned this last week. I went to to see you two at The Sphere. So, oh. <gasps> you went to yeah. that? Oh, my yeah, God. I went. <laughs> How are Wait, you Andrew, like – Wait, did I talk about – Andrew uh-huh. McGuire, did I talk about Oh. oh, I didn't. Okay, I didn't mention it on an episode yet, but I did. I went to you two at The Sphere and um, – so there's an example, again, and it's like, does this technology matter? It totally doesn't. But it was so beautiful. And I'm like a U2 head because like I was just given a cassette tape as a child <laughs> from my brother who's 13 years older than me. And um, and anyways, and that age difference was also, rec- you know, we, we recognize it in the audience at the concert. But um, <laughs> it was it, it's because it's like I am such a dork for you too and it's like not something I remember going to college and just assuming that everyone would love you too as much as I did nobody gave two shits but anyway um, I really 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 love you too and I realized something about the experience they're such an optimistic band they really believe in like democracy and humanity and they're just I mean seeing a U2 show will just like uplift your spirits and I realized something so embarrassing about myself which is that I believe they were formative for me in my development of optimism as like a way of life because that is what they do. That's like their Bono's lyrics, like their whole thing is just like, no, it's we can do this. Sometimes things are sad, but like humanity's great. And like and and it, uh, I just saw some breathtaking shit in the sphere is incredible like it's uh it's your it it, i mean it's so dumb to say it's immersive like obviously that's how they're promoting it but it is so immersive (laughs) what was the coolest thing you saw in the sphere okay and i don't want to give anything away so like if you are planning on going because and you're not because nobody is a fan the way i am but anyway earmuff for the next 30 seconds but one of the coolest things i saw was they they got to a song and then near the end where they show like the the view outside the sphere so you're sitting inside the sphere and they show you the streets of las vegas outside just outside the sphere and you're like oh that's interesting and then they deconstruct the entire city of las vegas like brick by brick whatever they deconstruct it until it's the desert and then the desert and then just like you just literally feel like you're in the desert and a sun comes up and the sun goes down. You experience a day and then it's just like and you just literally feel like you're just there in the desert experiencing that day. And then fucking the band is just like playing. And then at some point they're like floating on an ocean and it's <laughs> just crazy. It's just like they're floating on an ocean and it's so cool. <laughs> wow. It was just beautifully that done. Amazing. I it's will just amazing. point out to the NEA, mm-hmm. this is a live performance that also <laughs> features the biggest phone that's ever been created. 
Maybe Mark and Jason has a point. Technology will save us. (laughs) Wait, can I tell you guys the last embarrassing thing about having seen this concert is that I took a nausea pill before going (laughs) because I was nervous that I'm one of those people I can't wear Mm -hmm. one of those um, VR headsets because it'll Mm -hmm. just make me sick. So I took an anti-nausea pill just because I just wanted to have a good time. I didn't want to think about that. And uh, and I didn't get sick. I was fine. But uh, but that's I went to those lengths just so that nothing would get in the way of me and my enjoyment, which was I, I felt like a child in there. Uh, so anyways, I highly oh, recommend. Yeah. That's a really funny it. kind of drug to take before a concert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was low, low on the list of next like, words. Why I thought, didn't I just I do took. like I know? Why didn't I just do Molly like a normal fucking person? <laughs> um, all right, folks. That is the end of the show. I just, my God, thank you so much for having this these conversations with me. You're both so smart, insightful, talented, good looking. Um, I could go on, <laughs> but what I really want is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Simone, where do they do that? Yes, you can follow me at Simone Polanin. You can figure out how to spell that on your own uh, on Instagram and Twitter or X. And remind them of your your podcasts. Yes, my podcasts past perfect. It is a trivia show and not past it is a history show. Uh, Look out for those. Absolutely. Look out for those. and, And Andrew, where do people find you? Oh, my podcast is Joe is this racist. Um, I'm just my name on I, I kind of made an effort to grab most social media. So I'm probably fucking somewhere. Andrew T, last name is T-I. It's all caps. I know it doesn't matter, but it's all caps. <laughs> all right, folks, follow Andrew, subscribe to the pod, do all of that. And um, and you know where to find me and all the things that I do. And ladies and gentlemen, I have dates in Philadelphia with the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me stand-up tour, um, in Reston, um, Virginia, in um, D.C. with the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me tour. Um, I might have another New York date for Wait, Wait. Let's see. And uh, anyways, it's uh, there's things that are on my website. So go to the website and see. Um, and again, go to patreon.com slash Nagin to support the show. Uh, you get bonus episodes and the bonus episodes are fun and ridiculous. Uh, and what I would really like to do is thank everyone who makes the show a possibility. Our fantastic producer, Andrew McGuire. Um, thanks to everyone at HeadGum who makes the show um a reality. Thanks to Gabby Alter for our wonderful theme music. You can email us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com with any ideas that you might have. And otherwise, we will be back in your earballs. Oh, on Friday because of the Golden Bachelor. No, on Friday. No, sorry. We will be back in your earballs. Next week in the Golden Bachelor will be in your earballs like later. But we are still doing episode recaps of the Golden Bachelor, so stay tuned for those. Okay, goodbye. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>